So good for you to be here tonight. I get the great honor and privilege of sharing the word tonight. My name's Matt, and alongside my wife, Asha, who's waving at me there, uh, we are the youth pastors here, and it's very exciting to share the word with you tonight. Um, and on Water Baptism Night too. look, if you're visiting here tonight, just know that you are so welcome in this place. Um, and know as well that your presence being here, if you're, if you're here specifically to you know, witness a water baptism tonight, like you've got a family member or a friend, it really means a lot to them. So on behalf of them, thank you for coming and being a part of it. It's a huge support to them. And I know you're going to be really uh, stirred and excited to see them in the waters. Amen? Well, look, just before we get into the Word, I'm actually I'm going to invite somebody up to read the passage tonight. And I really want to get Mr. Brock Fanning up here to read the passage, PCS school captain and amazing worship leader in IMY. Could you please read us the passage tonight? For sure. Thank you, Matt. So the passage tonight is from John chapter 5, verse 1 to 9. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, With five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Amen. Thanks, Brock. Appreciate that. So tonight, I'm going to uh, unpack the amazing healing truth of this passage in John 5 with a message I've titled, well, it's actually Jesus' title, to be honest, Would You Like to Get Well? Would You Like to Get Well? You know, our church believes in the power of God's Word, and we believe it's like a mirror where we look into it, but just like a mirror, it looks into us. And when we look into it, it challenges us to change and become more like Jesus. And so I'm going to pray and ask the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to come and uh, help us in that task. Amen. So let me pray. Father God, we come before your precious word, Lord. And yeah, we just desire, Lord, um, to know what you are wanting to say to us through this passage. Lord, it's a simple story, but it's also got a lot of depth to it. So I pray that you would help us to understand it. And for every single person in this room, within the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that it would have transforming, changing power as we listen to it and we are stirred by it. So you can do that work, Lord Jesus. And so we just submit ourselves to you and pray that you would do it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, this passage puts a blinding spotlight, kind of like these lights here, on Jesus and reveals him as a healer of people. It does have a man who is miraculously healed, yes, but the focus really is on Jesus. And it starts with Jesus intentionally walking into what I would describe as an atmosphere of hopelessness. He's back in the holy city on the Sabbath, but he chooses to visit these people by this pool. Now, we would tragically probably know areas within our city of Penrith or even in the city 
where we would expect to find people who are unwell, maybe the homeless, maybe those who are disabled. We know that there are spots within Penrith where those people would congregate, those who are sick. But Jesus not only knows where those people are and knows where to go, but he chooses to step into that atmosphere of hopelessness. That's who he is. And verse 3 paints this picture of many people. Who knows how many exactly? It doesn't specify, but I would say close to the hundred, maybe even hundreds, of people who are visibly disabled. It says the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. I don't want to necessarily take you there, but would you just consider for a moment the smells and the sights of that, the sounds even, the smells of people who are unable to get up quickly and may relieve themselves where they're sitting, the sounds of them wailing and calling out for help, perhaps, or experiencing pain, coughing. This is the atmosphere that Jesus steps into, okay? And it's near the Sheep Gate too, which is where the animals were sold. So add that into the mix, and it would have been a pretty chaotic, but also a pretty desperate place. And so in verse 5 and 6, we see Jesus enter into that space, and he looks over, and he asks one man who he knew had been ill for a long time and says this question, would you like to get well? It says 38 years, according to verse 5, 38 years this man has been unwell. I'm 31, turning 32 very soon. Okay, so that's an extremely long time. But John's account here is actually highlighting Jesus' omniscience, which means that he knows. He's the all-knowing God. He knows this, and he knows that this man has been ill for a long time. So, what does Jesus know? Well, one, he knows the places where the sick people are, and two, he knows the people who are sick. Now, Jesus in this passage only asks one out of the hundreds who were there, but tonight, guess what? Through his word... He's asking everyone within the sound of my voice, would you like to get well? Now, you might say, it's a nice thought, Matt, but I'm feeling fine. I'm not sick. I'm not paralyzed. My fashion may be lame and my jokes, but I have full function of my body. But remember... Jesus knows. And often, He knows our state of being better than we even know our own state of being, right? Now, let me prove it to you. I mentioned earlier my wife, Asha. You know, Asha sometimes asks me, typically on a Saturday, what's wrong? And my response is, nothing. I'm, I'm totally fine. But then she points out some kind of behavior that's, you know, abnormal from the normal mat. You know, it's a bit different from usual. And the question actually makes me realize that something is wrong, okay? Because, yeah, I have been cold-shouldering you or I have been avoiding that or I'm just lazing out on the couch for several hours or whatever. And I realize that something's wrong. (laughs) Could it be possible you are not well, because Jesus is asking the question directly to you tonight. When Jesus asks us, would you like to be well, we not 
only need to hear this question, but we need to trust that the one asking the question sees us and knows something more than even we can see and know in ourselves. Do you trust Him? Now, you may not have a physical disability like the man in in the story uh, in John 5, but you may have another kind of sickness that has actually left you in a place of brokenness or helplessness, whether it be emotional pain, the stress of life, trauma, a toxic relationship and its residual effects, brokenheartedness, anxiety, harsh consequences that you're living in because of your actions or the consequences of somebody else's actions upon you or just straight up people in general. (laughs) Jesus knows, Jesus asks, and Jesus heals. But even if there's none of those things, and you're honestly just really happy to be here, and you say, Matt, I'm really honestly doing great. You don't need to keep going down this path. I'm just happy to be here, okay? I want to see the baptisms, and I want to eat some cake, and I might combine the cake with a sausage sizzle. Interesting combination. I'm just happy to be here, Matt. If that's the case, I know through God's Word that there is a sickness that affects everyone, everywhere. But I'm going to continue with this story. In verse 7, Jesus, in verse 6, asked the question, would you like to get well? And in verse 7, the man replies, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the water when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Now, there's a few questions that actually come to mind when I read verse 7 that I want you to think about. The first one is this. One, why can't he get into the pool? Well, 36 years of sickness, he's likely got some sort of disability that makes it hard for him to speedily get into the water. That's an answer to that question, first of all. Two, a huge crowd of helpless people crowding the way, making it hard, getting in the way, stopping it, or the pool being inaccessible because of that. So that's one. That's why he can't get in the pool. And he says it himself, he can't. But two, what's so good about this pool? This pool of Bethesda, it is said, had healing qualities. Maybe it was a simple placebo effect, Maybe something supernatural did happen in this pool. Maybe rumors spread and it was like Chinese whispers where it made sick people hear of somebody, you know, getting well. And so that filled them with hope and they went, you know, to the pool and sat by the water's edge, filled with hope that it could happen to them. Now, for those who are paying extra careful attention when Brock read it out, you'll notice that there's actually no verse 4 in this passage because the earliest manuscripts in the original language didn't have a verse 4. Old English translations like the King King James Version talk of an angel that stirred the waters, and the first person in the water would receive the miracle. That's what verse 4 says, basically, that the angel of the Lord came and stirred up the waters, and the first one in would receive the miracle healing. But as our English 
translators dig into the original text more and more, then they, they don't believe that John wrote that, that somebody inserted that in there to explain why the waters were bubbling up. And so we can be sure that John didn't write verse 4, but it's just inserted in there. But the rest of it, it is. And so the question is, what's good about the water, right? What's good about it? But regardless, it's clear from this story that many people believed the pool could heal, but were sitting around the pool, not healed, when Jesus came around. You get what I'm saying? So, why can't he get in the pool? We know that. What's so good about the water? People believed it could heal them. But the third question is the most interesting one to me, and it's this. Why did the man put his faith in the pool? The man's faith was in the pool. His actions to lay out a mat, a sleeping mat, and put himself beside it for a very long time proved that he had faith in that pool to heal him. Amen? In Hebrews, it, des- it defines faith for us, and it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So, his hope in healing from the pool gave him a strong sense of assurance. Okay, that's what I mean by faith. He, was, he had this strong feeling that this pool would heal him, meaning that it would eventually heal him. And so, his faith was in the pool. My question to you tonight is, what have you got your faith in? What are things that you are sure that even though you haven't seen it yet, it's going to provide the healing, the protection, the safety, whatever it may be, that your heart desires? You know, I believe we all have pools of Bethesda that we put our faith in. A pool of Bethesda is a place we go in hope of healing our brokenness, yet keeps us broken. Where do you go? Throughout my life, I've had seasons where I've had a lot of deeply rooted sickness and brokenness sort of bubble to the surface at certain times, and it literally disables me sometimes. It keeps me in bed. It stops me from getting up and going to work sometimes. They are things that I would say... I'd love to get well from this. I'd love to get well from this. But I'm putting my faith in something that can't actually heal me. I put my faith in my phone because that helps me to relieve my anxiety, you know, or the games that I used to play, I'll still sometimes dip into. My social media feed that gives me the affirmation and the memes, you know, to make me laugh. Or I put my faith in numbing myself to the idea of reconciling to someone or I numb myself to depth in a relationship because I'm worried, you know, about what would happen if I get hurt again or I hurt them again. Or I even close the door of my bedroom as a teenager or close the door of my house and not let people in because of that. That's my pool. So, in summary, Matt, me, laid out a mat and laid down by these many pools that I've just mentioned. Pubs across Penrith might have the sounds of laughter and joy, but are often filled with people addicted to alcohol, gambling away money, 
or creating a community to escape outside of the family, the workplace, the friends that they have. And that's no judgment. I'm just saying that this is an example that I've seen. Game lobbies where teenagers spend hours and hours escaping the, the stresses of teenage life, which is my story, being extremely addicted to video games, you know, like 14 hours a day, weeks and weeks and weeks on end. It's ruined my eyesight. Got a sore back now because of it. This was my pool of Bethesda when I was a teenager, right? So as I've said, a pool of Bethesda is a place we go, whether it's a physical place like a bar or a, a bedroom, or it's a mental place that you go where you shield yourself off in hope of it healing you, but it leaves you broken, right? It leaves us by the pool in a place of hopelessness, often surrounded by others with the same brokenness, right? Now, I'm sharing these things not to, to judge or to, to make you feel, you know, any form of discomfort, but honestly, it's to prompt to see if there's something that's broken within you, because Jesus is asking tonight, would you like to get well? Here's the truth found in God's Word. This is what I referred to earlier. There is a greater brokenness that affects everyone in this room, and there's no escaping it. Whereas maybe only some in here might need a physical healing of some kind, and Jesus is the healer of those things. Some might need an emotional healing, a repairing of your inner life. Maybe only one might need a breakthrough in a relationship that's fractured. All of us, the Bible teaches, have a spiritual brokenness. Spiritual brokenness plagues everyone who does not know or walk with the Creator who made them. I didn't bring it up, but... You know, my phone has a creator, Steve Jobs. <laughs> actually, not actually, because he's well and truly been passed for a while. But anyway, the phone has a creator, and the creator has a purpose in mind for that phone. If the phone is used for a purpose that is not designed to be used, it becomes broken and ultimately leads for it to, to it completely shorting out and failing, Right? I could get my phone and put it in a Nutella jar and scoop it on my morning toast, and it would actually do that, but it's not designed for that, right? Because then I call someone, and it's all muffly, and it tastes delicious, and it's all, you know, in your ear and stuff like that, okay? It's not used for that purpose. I could use it as a hammer, where I get the phone, and I, you know, repair some nails, and, but then the screen, parts of the screen becomes broken, and then, you know, it sort of makes it hard to use. I could use it as a flotation device, probably not that useful. And with the cracked screen, water will get in, as Ash's phone previously experienced, and then it completely fries it out. Some of us may have experienced not just this trivial example of a phone not being used for purpose, but some of us may have experienced the identity crisis that comes from being raised in a single-parent home or even like a foster care situation where the one who you know birthed you or created you is not present. And it creates this brokenness 
and you see stories, sometimes really miraculous stories, of people searching after their birth parents, and they find them, and it's this beautiful reunion. Sometimes it's, the search goes unfulfilled, and they don't find it, and they, they are left broken, they're left confused about why they exist, why they're there. It creates this brokenness, right? This is what spiritual brokenness does. And it affects everyone. Whether you come from a home with your parents and you know the story or not, because us, our parents and their parents and their parents and generations and generations all began with a single creator, God. We exist with an eternal creator who has always existed. He is the source of life. And that separation from that creator leads to what I'm describing tonight as a spiritual brokenness. Now, what's the cause of this brokenness? Well, the cause of our brokenness is our sin. It says in Romans, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So, what does that mean? Well, God, the one who created the universe, the earth that we live in, the people and the animals that we live alongside, and the creator of you, set standards in place, set a plan for life, laws by which to live, that all of us, at some point or at every point of our life, we reject. He asks us things like, don't put any other gods before him, and yet we idolize people, whether it's celebrities or people that are, uh, inspire us, or even ourselves, and we put ourselves in that position of God, and we break His plan. He asks us to honor our parents, and look, as a, a former teenager, <laughs> I can attest that there were many times where I did not honor my parents. Who has truly been able to fully honor the parents that we all have? We try, but often we fail, we sin. He asks us not to murder, and yet our emotions take over us, and whether physically or relationally, our anger towards other kills them and cuts them off from our life. And Jesus says this is the same root of that sin of murder is found in the anger and the separation from people, right? We've all got this spiritual brokenness. You know, Jesus says this really awesome thing that is a real theme of tonight's message, uh, it's in Mark, where he calls this man named Levi, and Jesus then comes over to this guy's place. Levi was a tax collector. He was not liked. He, was, he would steal money from people. He'd, he'd um, overcharge people and tax them, and he just wasn't a liked person. But these religious teachers who sort of know the law, and they're all stuffy and stuff like that, Jesus is eating with these sinners, or he, they would call them these unclean people, and he... Re- rebukes them by saying this, right? Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, that's an interesting word, but those who know they are sinners. Do you see your sin? Do you see how your sin has actually broken you and broken relationship with God? Do you see tonight your need for the great Dr. Jesus? Are you perhaps now hearing him say and understanding why he's saying, would you like to get well? 
Back to our passage in verse 7. You know, I really resonate with this man's I can't sir detail because blame and avoiding responsibility is absolutely what feels right when you're broken, right? And it can leave us trapped in brokenness where we, we blame some, something else, right? I don't have time to fix myself. My job's too full on. I don't have the space. I'm just overwhelmed. They've caused me to feel this way, so they need to fix it right? Or I'll fix myself up later. This is not the moment when I'm 40, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when life's not too crazy or busy and it's quiet. That's when I'll fix myself. But for now, I'm going to stay here. I can't do this. I don't want to receive this. Even though he's sitting by the pool, wanting a healing, he can't do it. And yet, we see from Jesus, despite this man's excuses, despite him saying he can't, an act of healing grace-filled healing because Jesus told him even though he said he can't stand up pick up your mat and walk and instantly the man was healed he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking now what has happened here in an instant the man's faith shifts from the pool of Bethesda to the person of Jesus instantly. Do you see it? He was instantly healed to the point where he rolled up his mat that was there to keep him in that place and began walking out. Not into the pool like he previously hoped, but we can assume back into the holy city of Jerusalem, into the kingdom. In an instant, a physical healing took place. And tonight, we will witness water baptisms. Now, the waters of the pool here do not have special healing qualities. I can confirm it is Sydney water. If you trip and fall in it at the end of the night, nothing magical happens like the man at Bethesda thought. Although, I'd love to see that. Let me make sure I've got my camera filming it. But in all seriousness, tonight, when people testify in these waters... They are telling you the story of an instant spiritual healing that has taken place. Water baptisms are an outward act, getting in the pool, going through that process, to symbolize a deep inward change that has happened as a result of Jesus and His healing work in their life. The instant healing is the work of God taking all of your sin on Himself taking all of that spiritual brokenness which I spoke about on himself and bearing the consequences of our brokenness where it says in Isaiah 53 all of us like sheep have gone astray we've left God's paths to follow our own which is a description of sin yet the Lord laid on him the him is Jesus the sins of us all Just like physical sickness brings vomit and lame legs, spiritual brokenness brings eternal death. For the wages of sin is death, right? Every single person in this room is going to die. It's a 100% reality in this earth. You cannot escape that. You know that's to be true. I'm sure all of us have been touched by the grief of losing a loved one. It's a reality of life. But it says in the Word that while the wages of sin is death, 
the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so when Jesus turns to us and says, like he is tonight through his word, would you like to get well? And we respond with yes, he heals. Every single one who responds with faith, an instant healing. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There's no one in here who is perfect or is pretending to be perfect. Nowhere near. But yet, God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed you from the penalty for our sins. That's death. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. We are coming up to Easter in two weeks where we're going to really talk about that. It's a precious time of year. And if you're visiting here, come on back to Easter, to our Good Friday and Sunday, Sunday services. But Easter time reminds us that after Jesus healed, He Himself was hurt. While He lived right, helped others and never sinned, He was hung like a criminal on a Roman cross. He bled out. And he died at the hands of the people he created. But because he lived right, because he never sinned, the Bible teaches Jesus was a perfect sacrifice for sinners like us. And his sacrifice would bring forgiveness and healing and mercy. I'm going to finish with this passage from Isaiah, and then we're going to get the the water baptisms happening in just a moment. But... This passage here is talking about Jesus. It's actually prophesying, which means it's written in the past about things that happened in the future, okay? And it said this in Isaiah. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet... It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Would you like to get well tonight? Would you like to be well? Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. Tonight, we've seen that Jesus knows, Jesus asks, and Jesus heals. So what do you need to do? Well, if you in this room are a believer in Jesus, but you've been made aware of brokenness that's in your life, and you've realized that you've been putting your faith in something else, a pool of Bethesda that's leaving you broken and not trusting in Jesus with that area of your life, well, now is the moment to stand up, pick up that mat and walk towards Him once again. And I really believe this. I feel this. You know, I, in particular, last year, I had a real rough time emotionally. I was all over the place and I realized what I was turning to 
Okay, I was turning to things that were not helping and not healing me. And it was a lack of trust in Jesus. But can I testify and say that He has healed me. He has fixed brokenness that's within me. He has matured me and helped me to grow. And that's what He has on offer to you tonight as well. Amen. Jesus is saying tonight, your faith has made you well. And if you are not a believer in Jesus, just so you know, you are so welcome in this place. But maybe tonight my words have made you aware of your sin and aware of your spiritual brokenness or even other forms of brokenness. Respond tonight and put your faith in Jesus. Don't leave tonight without the assurance of knowing your sins are forgiven and you have received eternal life. This is the moment. Hear the testimonies of the people and respond in the same way that they have responded. By putting your faith in Jesus and not in anything else in this world. And Pastor Shu will, Stu, sorry, will share an invitation later, which is just for you tonight. But I'm going to pray, and then the band are going to play, and we're going to have our water baptism guys get ready, and it's going to be an awesome celebration. So let me pray. Actually, how about we all stand together, and I'll pray now, if you're able to. All right. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a healing God, that you don't leave us in places of brokenness, but the truth is you enter into our brokenness. And you pour out healing to us. And even when we make excuses, Lord, you still heal. And so I'm asking right now by the power of your word that you would instantly heal the brokenness, Lord, that is in this room. That faith would be a gift that you give to people in this room right now. That the brokenness that's held them down, that they've been like chained up or maybe restricted, that that would all go because they've turned to a greater power, not themselves, not something in the world, but into your arms, Lord Jesus. And so we thank you that this is a place of healing and we're really excited and believing for a great water baptism time. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Well, the team's gonna play and we're gonna get ready for the water baptism. So let's go.